0: Hey there, this is Keith Carpenter. I get to pastor Epic Life Church, and it's such a, a blessing that you're watching this today. I wanna to encourage you to in, um, enjoy this message and enjoy this worship in time. But I also wanna encourage you that if you're listening from a different place in this city or in this country, and you have a local church that you're part of, that you invest into that local church. It's really good that we can hear people online, men and women teach and expound on the scripture. But in the long run, we need to go back to our local church and be part of that community. So again, it's a blessing having you here. I pray that this is a blessing to you and I wanna encourage you to invest in your local community. Have a great morning. Good morning, Epic Life. It's so good to be with you this morning and encouraging. I look forward to sharing this message with you. Uh, you're gathered around your living rooms and perhaps in your car or at the beach or wherever you're at this morning on a Sunday morning i want to encourage you to, to listen in and give God an opportunity to uh, speak to your, your heart and your soul, allow the spirit to speak. My prayer is that there is no feeling of condemnation in this message, but it's a, a feeling of encouragement and um, as, lo- as well as a conviction to maybe step into what God wants us to step into. I want you to know that we're praying for you, Christine and I are praying for you, the church and individuals uh, that are, are hurting or uh, in uh, and out of the hospital perhaps. And we're praying for you, praying for your encouragement. Uh, i want to encourage you to reach out to people, uh, be encouraging in texts and emails and phone calls. Just because we're isolated physically doesn't mean we have to be isolated socially. And so you spend a lot of time on social networks. Uh, Maybe we can take some of that time and, and find people in the church that we haven't spoken to in a while and reach out to them and not be socially disconnected with our friends and family. The church needs each other and this body is still a body of Christ with different parts that are functioning well. And we still need each other and I want to encourage you to encourage each other. Uh, the giving room is still running and operating and they and they're... they're working very, very hard, even throughout the week, uh, loading food in. I was just down at the the church uh, building today and there was a few people there with Trey and Doug and a couple others from the neighborhood bringing some food in and stocking the shelves and getting ready for Monday. That's still happening, so continue to pray for that. Thank you for those of you who have uh, uh, given money and resources towards that. That keeps coming in into the office and we keep distributing it out as people have need. It seems like we're gonna continue to have need. And so um, I just wanna encourage you to continue to do that, continue uh, to give. And so as a church, uh, the the resources that we have as a church, we really need to have those continue uh, as we're continuing to minister in the neighborhood. Uh, Just so you know, uh, if you're part of Epic Life Church, uh, next Sunday, the 24th, after the sermon, after the uh, the Sunday morning service here online, we're going to have a Zoom call that will be an all church meeting. And we always have a Zoom call, even after this message, there'll be a Zoom call. And that's really just to, to say hi, to uh, catch up a little bit, to see other people's faces. But next week, we're going to have a Zoom meeting with Epic Life Church. I just want to encourage as many of you uh, who are part of Epic Life who can attend, um, please, please uh, uh, plan on being there. Put it on your calendar and plan on being there. We'll send some reminders out. But the more of you uh, that can be there, we just want to give you update on on everything that's happening. Elders will be speaking. I'll be speaking and just sharing with you how we're doing as a church, what our plans are in the future as the phases of returning to quote-unquote normal kind of happen with our government. And so please uh, remember to be part of that Zoom meeting next Sunday. Today we'll have a Zoom call just to encourage one another. So the giving room is happening. You've heard from Casey about Fort North Seattle and the the blessing that's happening through there. And uh, and then I also want to encourage you to pray for our missionaries. And we've we have a few. We have three, especially that we pray for often. And then some uh, other uh, people who have left Epic Life and gone overseas as well. And so. Um, there's Victoria and Perry and Annie and uh, Johnny and Ricardo and Mary Esther. And I want to encourage you to pray for them. Ani and Ricardo, or Ani and um, and the Brookshires, Johnny and Shannon, um, are actually back in, in America. Um, they've had to leave their post for now, pray for them, pray for their future and what God has for them, that they'd be able to be wise about that and, and know with clarity what to do next. Uh, pray also for Ricardo and Mary Esther in Peru, uh, in Chala. They are still teaching on actually whatsapp and they're they're teaching through the video of whatsapp although getting paid nothing nobody is paying right now and there's there's they're locked down in peru as well and ricardo can't get out uh, it's very, very difficult. They're actually separated in cities as well. So I just want to encourage you to pray for them, pray for their uh, resources and sustenance and that they would have more than enough and that God would take care of them. And Epic Life, I want to encourage us to take care of them as well, financially, and maybe even with emails and phone calls um, or text to encourage them. This morning, I'm gonna head right back into Ephesians. And so would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for get, allowing us the, the medium to get together, uh, allowing us to have the video that we can continue meeting as a church. And I pray that as we gather this morning in living rooms, wherever we are, a, if we're a, a by ourselves or with our spouse or perhaps with a, a small group of people or family, I pray Lord that we would be wise in that and that we would listen in now and hear you speak. I ask that that you would speak. Lord, I know that this is not a a typical sermon. This is a a study of your scripture, which is so good for us. I pray that we would all know how important it is for us to study your word. And this morning as we study the book of Ephesians a little more, I pray that you would bring things to light, help us to understand things, and and give us clarity to to act uh, and be. So, Lord, praise you. I thank you for your word. It's so, so good. I look forward to uh, honoring you as we're, we're speaking about this. In the name of Jesus, amen. You have your Bibles. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter five, and you heard that read to us, and so I'm not going to read it again right now. But we are going to go through this passage a little bit. I've realized a little bit with Ephesians chapter five, one through fourteen, is that there is more than one sermon in here, and so I'm actually going to break it up. I thought next week we're going to move into uh, Paul's words to husbands and wives, and and children, and uh, employees, slaves, and masters, and all of this. Uh, kind of human relationship stuff, but I don't think we are. There's going to be one more Sunday on Ephesians five one through fourteen with a, a little different um, posturing or a little different uh, a zoomed down vision in this. And so last week we we talked about the first couple of verses. We're going to go through a lot here today, but really focus in on on one one word um, one one thought that Paul is giving us and encouraging us to do is really, really neat. And I love the, 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 the visual that he gives us in this. And so, so Ephesians chapter 5 um, has to come out of Ephesians chapter 1 through 4. Please remember this. If, you, if you've learned anything and taken anything away from this study in Ephesians, In fact, I would, if we were standing together, maybe I would ask the audience and say, what's what's the purpose? What's the vision of Ephesians? And I hope somebody would say that we have been identified for purpose. And think about this. This is on our wall in the the sanctuary there at the church building that we haven't seen for a long time. Actually, it's behind the, sometimes it's behind us when when we're filming, but it's not right now. So, identified for purpose. What's the thought of that? We've been identified, stamped with the Holy Spirit. So Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to men and women who follow Christ. They're Christ followers. So we've been identified, and those Christ followers are identified for purpose, for reason, for, for working out and doing the works that God has given us beforehand. Really, really important. If. Uh, um, this is this is good for us to understand to realize to gain this truth and I, so I hope that through the study of Ephesians we would remember the overarching theme identified for purpose identified for purpose and so there's a word there's a word in this passage the word instead this is who you are it's good but that there is more this is who you could be this is Walking out of that, the Ephesians' truth, right? You are alive in Christ. This is what we learned in chapter one through three. You are alive in Christ. You are his temple. You are heirs to the kingdom. You are sons and daughters of the king. you are a you are chosen, you are a holy priesthood, you are without fault, you are one in Christ, you are the body of Christ, you are the church. And so Ephesians is being written to you personally. He's, he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And so yes, uh, first century, 30 years after Christ was uh, ascended back into heaven, Paul is writing now to a church that was started and has been flourishing through years. And Paul now is writing a letter back to them and he's writing to the church. He's not writing to people who don't know Christ. You go into the uh, uh, Gospel of John. Gospel of John is writing to people who don't know Christ. And so here we are with this, this, uh, this book that's being written to Christians. You are this, so he's saying in the first few chapters, you are this, this is who you are, these truths, you are this, so be, so do. You know who you are, so live in light of who you are. It's really important we understand this is written to Christians. For if this was written to non-Christians, it would be dangerous for a non-Christian, someone who doesn't know Christ, doesn't follow Christ. It would be dangerous for them to think to themselves that, "Oh, um, I'm, I'm a son of God. I have the Spirit of God within me. I, um, I am holy. I'm without fault." Well, that's not true. When somebody knows Christ, they're without fault because Christ has. Um, given them uh, the covering of their sins because we have come before Christ in repentance. God has drawn us. He has chosen us. He has given the opportunity for us to understand him. We then believe and and we and through repentance and faith in Christ, we then have the, the penalty of sin removed because of what Christ has done. He did not do that to cover the sins of everybody unless they come to repentance. So it would be dangerous, which the church has often taught these passages to people who are not Christ followers. And so if we teach this passage to people who are not Christ followers, we we turn it upside down. And this passage in in Ephesians 5, which you just heard, and actually the end of Ephesians 4, Paul goes into these lists and he says, hey, these these are things that evil, world does. this is These are wrong things. And so people who are not part of the church, people who are not Christians will hear that and go, oh, the Bible is just full of thou shalt nots. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. No, no, no. It actually, this scripture is written to Christians who have the Holy Spirit in their lives and will hear this and be convicted in their lives. And there won't be shame in this. So, um, you know who you are so live in light of that if i were a king and my sons were heir to that throne i'm I'm sure my boys would love it if i was a king and they were heirs to a castle someplace and uh, if they were heirs to that throne yet they lived like they weren't heirs live like those who aren't heirs uh this would this would make one wonder what's going on with them um if they had royal clothes waiting for them in their castle closet, yet they were walking around in shaggy peasant clothes, we'd wonder what's what's happening with this. If if they had a castle life waiting for them, yet they lived in a, a one room shack of a peasant life, we'd wonder, well, isn't this doesn't he realize his heirship? ship? Right? Doesn't he realize that if uh, if if my my sons were heir to the throne and they, they, they got all the education they needed and they were, they were brought up and trained in the ways of, of kingship, yet they refused to learn and and only lived in places where they 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 were taught the ways of of uh, peasant life and uh, a a life uh, you know uh, working for their living which they wouldn't have had to, we'd we'd wonder what's going on with this. If they had banquet dining waiting for them, yet they were eating the scraps of swine in the big yard, we'd wonder why they don't understand who they are. Why are they not living in light of who they are? And so this passage says that you and I are sons of the king. If you're not, don't confuse and claim things that don't belong to you. If you're not a son of the king, if you're not a Christ follower this morning, you can't claim the things that are reserved for the sons and the daughters of the king. A person without the right name or credentials can't even enter into the kingdom's courtyard. And so as Christ followers, we have the right credentials, we have the right badge, we have the right clothing, and we can enter into the kingdom, we can enter into the courtyard. So Paul is preaching now to those who are in the courtyard. If you are not known in the courtyard, you will not be able to enter the kingdom. You'll be actually tossed out of the kingdom. But if you are known, you know it was nothing you did. We all know this, right? When, when we have repented and come to Christ, we know that it's nothing we have done. It's actually everything that Christ has done. He's drawn us to Himself. It was the gift of God so that no one can boast. That gift was given to us so that we can't boast in our pride of our own salvation. How awful would that be? When Jesus draws you to Himself, your responsibility then is to live like you're in the kingdom. And so Ephesians actually encourages us to live like we're in the kingdom. And so passages about sin then, then turn around and become not shame passages or not thou shalt not passages, but passages about how to live in the kingdom of God because we have the spirit of God. We've been identified for a purpose. Then we can live as children of the king or live like we, we, we can either, I'm sorry, either live like children of the king or live like we don't even know him. We don't belong to him. So even in the kingdom, now we, as Christ followers, as, as kingdom heirs, we, we can live like we know the king, but we also have the choice and we have the option, I suppose, um, to live like we don't know the king. And that's called sin. It's called rebellion, turning our back on the king and, and walking away from him. And that's what Paul is pointing out in these passages. We can live as children of the King, or we can live like we don't even belong to Him at all. You are saved, and that is good. And so you can you can act now differently. And so this there's a word in here now that we're going to look at in several different places. It's this word instead. You you used to do this. You uh, this is the way of the world. This is the dark patterns of the world. Don't do that. Instead, do this. Because why? Because you're a son and a daughter of the King you have an option. Um, You have a responsibility to live as a son and daughter of the king. In fact, I'm going to read chapter four, verse 22. It says this, remember last week we talked about this? So this is your responsibility to throw off your old sinful nature and your former ways of life, which are corrupted by lust and deceit. Instead, Let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like Christ. Paul is speaking to the church, the saved ones, and saying, listen, it's your responsibility to throw off your old nature, allow the Spirit to do a work in you and put on your new nature. That's your responsibility. Salvation, salvation has this beautiful mixture of God's, chosen and predestination and, and, and thought about, about looking for people on earth and our responsibility of accepting that. That is blended together, right? And so once we become Christians, now we have a different responsibility. That new responsibility is to live like we are the king's heirs. Our responsibility, take off our old self, Allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and put on our new clothing. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on us. Remember this, identified for purpose. When Paul is saying identified for, for purpose, he's actually saying you have been stamped with the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is the stamp. On your heart, when God looks at us, he sees the stamp. You are mine, you have the stamp of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit isn't just a stamp, right? It's not some kind of ink um, tattooed on our arm it, or on our heart. It's much more than that. Not, not only just stamped, but we have been identified. The Holy Spirit enters us, becomes part of us, uh, um, exists with us. We actually become the throne room. Our physical self, our spiritual self, our soul becomes the throne room of God. And we have been stamped, we have been identified with the Holy Spirit for purpose. You now, having the Holy Spirit, have responsibility. That's that's what we're saying here. The saved ones is who Paul is speaking to. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 14. I'm going to go back through this. Um, and and Paul Paul is saying, imitate God. Remember we talked about this last week? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. We talk about imitating, not just, not just uh copying, or or even not just um, kind of being somebody who 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 has a, a similar voice of, but. Imitating, becoming like, having the same cadence in our walk, in our conversation, that we're we're exuding God. We're we're so much like Him. When people see us, they they think to themselves, "That's a, a little Christ." And of course, we will never be able to do what Christ did on the cross to die for other people's sins, but we can show love at, um, by following the example of Christ, and that is giving all. And so. When, when Paul talks about imitating God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Imitate God because you're his dear children. Not because you don't know Christ, but because you do. So in imitating God, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. You see, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma, a pleasing aroma to God. Imitate. Walk like him, talk like him, love like him, share like him. Be like Christ because you are his children. Follow the example of Christ. Be be like God because you're his children. Follow the example of Christ by living differently. No longer living like this, but now living like this. No longer this, but now this. Uh, It's almost like he's saying, hey, it's good that you're saved. That's wonderful, but the great is living differently. There was a book written by a guy named Jim Collins, I believe, Good to Great, and it was kind of talking about this idea of what, uh, how, how some companies. He, I think he took a study of, a, 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 I don't know, a hundred different companies, something like that and uh, looked at how some of these companies came out so much better than some of the other companies and looking at these patterns and and how they work through things and like this is good things and they're good companies and they're they're uh, doing what they need to do they're making some money but some of them went from good to great and they became exponential in their growth and they are thriving and hiring people and making money and selling product and whatever they were doing in a whole bunch of different disciplines. And so a lot of people can be in the good spot. A lot of businesses can be in the good spot. Very few actually step out of the good spot and into that great spot where they're not just a little bit better or making a little more revenue than the good companies, but they're excelling far beyond imagination. They went from good to great. I think that's kind of what Paul is saying here. Hey, there is good. You've been saved. That is really good. That's wonderful. Don't stay like you are. Change, become more. Go from good to great. Now I I know that as I'm about to speak through some of this, Um, In some of your minds, you might start thinking, oh, are you judging me for being good? Is good not good enough? Well, the fact is, is good is good enough. Um, You have salvation, you've given your life to Christ and that's fantastic. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to us and starts saying, listen, this is your former way of life. Put that aside and pick up a new way of life because this is great. This allows us to live here where we're not just waiting around, biding our time, waiting for eternity to happen. But we're actually living differently. We went from good to great. I love that concept. It's good that you're saved. Now live differently. Live as a a pleasing aroma, a smelly person before God. A pleasing aroma. Actually, there's a couple different passages in the Bible that calls Christians a uh, a, a pleasing aroma or like salt or adding flavor. We're a different aroma, a different smell to God. And then because of that, to other people. Not to other people and because of that, to God. We're actually a different aroma to God through a sacrificial life lived. um, And because of that aroma, we're also pleasing to people around us. Here's some verses, if you're writing things down or you wanna think, I'm gonna go through these verses. Chapter four, verse 23, verse 28, and verse 29, and verse 32. And then chapter five, verse four, 11, and 18. And then we're gonna backpedal a little bit and go through chapter five, the first uh, few verses a little bit more. Paul uh, um, is uh, speaking into the church, remember this speaking into the church. And people look at this list of of rules and regulations, they think, and they think, oh, the Bible is just full of uh, a list of controlling rules and makes me feel guilty and thou shalt nots. And Paul is saying there's so much greater than that. Get your mind out of the simple world of going the, the Bible is judgmental and put your mind in a different space. As a Christ follower, put your mind in the space of being filled with the Holy Spirit and in the filling of the Holy Spirit, being convicted. I've had people come to church before and later email me and say, oh, I just felt so guilty at church. Well, was it guilt? Because we actually don't preach at Epic Life a guilt-laden sermon. We preach grace, right? Grace. For those who don't know Christ, there is grace. You get eternal salvation. And for those who do know Christ, you are you are lavished upon with grace upon grace for our our uh, pursuits of ourselves. God gives us grace with the the hope and the the plea that grace will actually turn us uh, to to stop doing the the lustful and desires of our heart those things that we we are we pursue often that grace kind of turns that and it's not judgment and so if you're hearing judgment this morning, you're listening to this in, incorrectly. You're not listening to this through the Spirit. The, the goal would be to convict our souls to live differently. Again, out of what we received, the light. The Bible is basically pointing out two truths, all right? Pointing out um, one truth, there is sin, and you can be redeemed. It's a wonderful truth. The entire Old Testament is talking about there is sin. Look at it. Look at the sin. Here's Ten Commandments to prove to you that people cannot keep from sinning. There is sin. Yet you can be redeemed from it through Jesus. Beautiful. And there's another truth the Bible is pointing out constantly, and that is you can you can live as as someone who's been redeemed from sin. You can keep living in in darkness, or you can live in the light. Interesting, right? And so coming out of uh, a life of darkness and giving our life to Christ, we experience the light of Christ. But throughout the letters that Paul writes, he says often that as a Christ follower and as a heir to the kingdom, we can still choose to live in darkness or live in blindness or live asleep. And Paul saying, or you can choose to live in light, to live in abundance. Paul says this word, instead. There's this, instead, live this. There's good, instead, live great. There's darkness, instead, live in the light. This word instead is, I, I, think, I think we best understand it in English, understanding it instead. And there's kind of more to it, though. Um, it, it's kind of a, more of a word that talks, like, there's more of. There's, there's more, there's gr- a, a greater sense of, a, a, uh, um, there's a, 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 even a hierarchy of topics that we're talk, talking about. You know, like, like there's, uh, there are, I I love, I love grapes, right? And raspberries. So there's, there's grapes and there's raspberries, but even more, there's grapes and raspberries. Whoa, that's awesome, right? Um, There's, there's this or even, even better. There's this, it's a comparative adverb, right? It's referring to what is better. Over what is good or all right or what was, there is something better. <coughs> and so here he's speaking this comparative adverb. This is how you used to act, but now it is better to act like this. See that word? It's a, it's a more word, a abundantly more word. This is a, a greater and higher way to act, uh, an expanded way to act even. And so, as, as we go through these verses here, we're going to see this um, a, a greater way to behave. I dropped my glasses. Got them. All right. The Bible is so cool. It is so, so fun to look through. <clears throat> um, and it's so fun to find some, some words that have depth and can help us understand our lives better. It, it pains me often that, that sermons and encouraging words from the Bible become only about, uh, only about self-help. It's like a, a giant self-help book. The Bible is so much more than a self-help book. It's so much more. It's not like Jesus was a good guy to follow with good words. He was more than that. He was the Son of God. Like the expanse and everything of God was crammed into Jesus. And he proved that by giving his life and coming back to life. And so when we read the Bible, it should be so much more than self-help. And it can encourage us and make us excited about this. So in, i told you these verses we're gonna go through. And so verse uh, 22 or verse 23, Yeah, 22 and 23. So Paul says, right? He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former ways, which are corrupted by lust and deception. Those former ways are corrupted. And he says, instead, more, um, better than that, let the spirit renew your thoughts. So throw off your sinful nature and let the spirit renew your thoughts. How can Why can you let the Spirit renew your thoughts? Because you are a Christ follower. You are an heir to the King. He's talking to the church here. We cannot preach this to people who don't know Christ because the Spirit is not renewing their thoughts. Spirit is not part of their world. So instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. And Paul goes into, he goes into some lists, some ideas, some thoughts here, and those Thoughts. He's saying, let the spirit renew your thoughts. Don't let my words make you feel guilty. Let the spirit within you convict you and instead, right? Instead, move on to something more. So your old nature is corrupt with lust and deceit. Instead, let the spirit renew you. So then verse 28 is another, is another instead. <clears throat> if you are a thief, he's saying, hey, quit stealing. Instead, right, if you're a thief, instead, use your hands for good. You hear the instead there? If you're a thief, you're using your hands for yourself, selfish ambition, selfish lust, selfish greed, whatever it is. And instead of doing that, even more, even better, use your hands to work and bless others, to be generous to others. Um, I, I It just continues in verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Instead, let everything you say be good and helpful. Foul and abusive language. Some of us as Christians like to use some foul language once in a while. We think it, I don't know, makes us cool. makes us, I don't know what, I don't know what. Paul, several times here says, don't use foul language. You know what it is, don't use it. Instead, let your words Be more, Um, let them say good and and things that are helpful and things that are encouraging to those who hear them. We don't need to be legalistic about this. He's saying, let the spirit help us see a, a greater something more. Verse 31, get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Here it is, instead, verse 32, instead, greater than that, more than that, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Instead of being full of selfish ambition and this this prideful anger and rage that wells up inside of us, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Are you getting this instead idea that Paul is coming up with? This comparative adverb referring to what is better, what is greater, what is something that can lift us up, lift our spirits up and lift others up. This is how we are identified for purpose. So now we can go into chapter five, verse three. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Those sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. Those are not for you. All of those things, if you wanna do a great study, look at what those really mean. Look at the understanding of those. I think Paul focuses less on those things and more on the instead, all right? Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Is that kind of puzzling? So, verse three, no, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Those sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, those are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. See how he's turned that into thankfulness? It seems like the thankfulness doesn't really match that, but it surely does. Because thankfulness is realizing who is on the throne. And the others, that list of things are about the idolatry of our heart, pursuing the things that we, Paul calls it the flesh desires sexual immorality our flesh desires this impurity and greed and coarse jokes it's all about us and 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 uh, our our selfish idolatry that we have instead be thankful to god and when we're thankful to god we put the the uh, worship on god and not ourselves so that's the instead in that passage it continues uh i mean it continues through all this there's lots of different things I'm not going to focus on the bunch list of negative because I think Paul is focusing on the good. Uh, but I'll read. I'll read on through this. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. If we are worshiping the things of this world and not Christ, we have not actually given our lives to Christ the idol we we realize that he has not become the he has not become god in our life that there are other gods in our life plying for that don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins how often do we hear people who are excusing these sins for the anger of god will fall on all who disobey him Don't participate in the things these people do for once. You were also full of darkness, but now you have light from God, darkness to light. From darkness instead, move to light. So instead, live as people of light. That's verse eight. For this light within you produces only what is good and right. So Paul is saying there's darkness, there's evil, there's um, ways of sin and pursuit of the flesh. And those are places that we should not live. Instead, um, we should live in the light, doing only what's right and good and pure. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Now, if we bump back up to verse 10 there, where it says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. I'm actually going to be covering that next week and that idea of of understanding what pleases the Lord. And so I'm not going to get there this week. We're going to cover this passage again in in light of verse 10. So verse 11, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness darkness. Instead, expose them. How do you expose darkness? Put light on it. Cover it with light. How do you expose the the shadows? You turn a light on. How do you expose the corners of my garage where I'm looking for a tool? I get a flashlight out and expose it so that I can see. And, And so this passage, Paul is saying, take no part in darkness. Instead, expose it. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them." That's the instead, the light is the, the more, the greater, for the light makes everything visible. That's why it said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Again, we're gonna cover those passages next week. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but, um, but like those who are wise. So don't live like fools. Instead, live like those who are wise. Make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but, instead, but understand, uh, sorry, verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly. Instead, understand what the Lord wants you to do. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music to the Lord. Verse 18, right? Don't be drunk with wine. And just so you know, just a little caveat here. A lot of people take this verse and say, uh, the Bible um, has a moratorium or uh, outlaws drinking any kind of alcohol. Actually, the Bible doesn't have, uh, have, you know, doesn't, say it's wrong to drink alcohol. It says, it always says, don't be drunk with wine. And this word wine is the alcohol wine. That's what it is. It is the same word that's used at the wedding feast. It's the exact same word, except there's a little caveat on top of that, that that was the best wine, right? The best. And there's other places where that word wine is used where Paul says to Timothy, uh, drink a little wine to take care of your stomach. The same word same word. Some people said, well, no, that's just juice. That's just really good juice. And that's actually not what the scripture we're saying. And, and it's important for us to look here that Paul isn't saying, don't drink alcohol <laughs> because that will ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, don't be drunk with wine. This is a pursuit of self. Being drunk, overindulging, going beyond what is wise just before that, what is wise, don't do that because that'll ruin your life. Instead, do something greater. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word be filled goes back with the the word drunk with wine. So don't be filled with wine. Don't be intoxicated with wine. Instead, be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled, full, drunk with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so it's this idea of allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through you in such a way that it's, it's taking over your life. So how do we do that? What's the instead? What's the greater, the, the more beautiful way? It's to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Make music to the Lord in your heart and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of those verses that points to the church gathering together and worshiping together in a space, in a building, in a, on a lawn, in a house somewhere. It's saying sing these psalms and spiritual songs and hymns to one another. There's a there's a group aspect there. All right. Um, And when people say that the Bible, uh, the early church was just small, tiny groups of people in living rooms, it probably was, but it was also large groups singing to one another, singing worship to God, to one another. What's the greater way living out of the darkness and out of sinful um, ambition, -ambition self-ambition and lust of the flesh and desires of the heart? What's the greater way to live with wisdom? Singing songs of wisdom, of, of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Allowing the Holy Spirit to come out of us, to to use us, to um, encourage us in, in ways that glorify God. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Looking up here... Um, Romans chapter 12, verse two, Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. We're gonna cover this a little bit next week as well, but here's another instead. As Christians, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Instead, do more. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, uh, says this. But you are not like that, people who are stumbling in the darkness. They do not obey God's word and they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation god's very own possession and as a result you can show others the goodness of god you can show others the greater than the instead of life for he called you out of the darkness instead he put you into his wonderful light men and women i want to encourage you to live in the light live a life of instead all right not not out of guilt please don't live in guilt but live in the light of instead. Live in light of the fact that you are, you are heirs to the kingdom. Stop living like you're not heirs to the kingdom. Live like you're heirs to the throne of God. It's beautiful, it's wonderful. You are a son and daughter of the king. You, he's brought you out of the light. Live, he's brought you out of the darkness, sorry. He's brought you out of the darkness, live in the light. Allow it to transform you. Allow the Holy Spirit to overflow and recreate you. Live in the instead of life. I hope you have a a great afternoon, a great Sunday afternoon, raining or shining, I don't know what it's gonna be, but I just pray that it's a great day. And I wanna encourage you to join us in our Zoom meeting right after this, but also to send encouraging notes to people. I've actually started this little thing between me and I think myself, called Texting Tuesday. So every Tuesday, I'm getting my, my phone out and I'm gonna try, try to text as many encouraging notes as I can just inside of 15 minutes and see how many, I get, how many people I can encourage. And if you get one of those, hey, don't think about it as, oh, he just did this because it's Texting Tuesday. No, nah, actually, the Holy Spirit's brought you to my mind and I wanna text you. And I can't text everybody in 15 minutes. But if we all do it together, we can. Encourage one another. Go beyond, encourage one another. Uh, find a house church to be part of, community to be part of. Uh, look for ways to encourage the saints and that we can come out of this physically isolated uh, season stronger as a church, encouraging one another, coming back together in fellowship and excitement. I hope that you have a great day. I'll see you right after this. And the next week we'll see you for our, our church Um, uh, business meeting. Have a great one. Love you guys so much. Take care.